if you're going to work on LinkedIn or if you're going to work on Twitter or if you're going to work on TikTok, if you're going to work on YouTube, find the people that have gotten famous because of that platform and look at how they're using that platform. Don't look at the massive Fortune 500 companies and see what they're doing. You want to look for the person that is two and a half steps ahead of you, and then you want to mimic what they're doing. Welcome to Market Like a Rockstar with your host, RPI. Bridging the gap between business, mindset, and marketing, this is your invitation to stop selling and start telling. Dive into a world where stories and advice aren't just shared, but crafted to build brands that resonate, captivate, and earn trust. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a business owner, or a marketing professional, let's hit the road to brand empowerment together. Your journey to becoming a magnetic brand starts now. Episode five, Market Like a Rockstar. Thank you so much for checking this out. My name is RPI. I will be your host as always. Today, we're going to talk about some mindset stuff. We're going to get into some marketing stuff, things like that. The name of this episode is, episode five is maybe yes, maybe no. That is based on a parable called the story of the Chinese farmer. And we're going to get into that first here in a minute. Um, I missed a week last week and we had a really, really rough week here at RPI world headquarters. And I'm going to kind of talk about that here at first. Um, so in the last episode, I talked a lot about gratitude and it just so happened that that lined up with Thanksgiving week, which was pretty cool. Um, but one of the things that I mentioned when I was talking about the right here at this very moment thing was I talked about, you know, one of the moments that helped me realize that was when I was out walking with my golden retriever, with my dog Nash. Right. Um, and I kind of in passing mentioned that I also had a Bernese mountain dog whose name was Mo. And I'm going to talk a little bit about Mo because we ended up losing him last week and it came kind of, it actually not kind of, it totally came out of the blue. Like we were not, we were not ready for it. So Last week was really tough, but Mo was a Bernese Mountain Dog. I had had a Bernese Mountain Dog and Golden Retriever combined. Like I had both those dogs together like 15 years ago, like when I was doing life for the first time before I moved to Nashville and all that. And my aunt, this was like six years ago. My aunt, I was at, I was actually at a funeral and I can't remember whose funeral it was. It was a long time ago. And my aunt at the time came up to me and she said, Hey, you had a Bernese Mountain Dog, right? And I was like, yeah, I did. And they're awesome. I love the breed. She's like, well, I want to get one. And I said, well, Gene, that's, that's great. But she was like 75, 76 at the time. I said, that's a lot of dog for, you know, and someone who's a little bit older. She said, oh, I know, I know, but I don't care. And so it's funny because I say that in hindsight, I look back on it. So she ended up getting a burner, a Bernese mountain dog. And sadly enough, my uncle, who was her husband, was ill for, I want to say 18 months to two years. Okay. And he ended up passing away in November, right around Thanksgiving. I don't think it was exactly Thanksgiving, but right around Thanksgiving of 2020, right in the middle of all the COVID stuff. Um, that's not what, that's not what he passed away from, but that happened. Well, they ended up having a funeral and she was 80 at this time. I think 80, 81 years old. They had a funeral. She got COVID at the funeral and she passed away around right around Christmas. So in a span of one month, my poor cousins lost their mother and their father. Um, and, and it was, just, it's just the worst thing I've ever heard of. Right. Um, but anyway, so the, the week of Christmas, I get a call from one of my cousins and she says, Hey, you know, my mom has this dog that she loved. He's two years old. He needs a home. 
And I just said, well, do you want me just to take him and like kind of foster him while you guys get all of your things sorted out? Cause it's a big family. There were a lot of kids and I, I assume one of them would want this dog. Right. And, and she's like, no, she's like, no, you can, you can just keep him. I said, okay, that's, that's great. That sounds awesome. So I, I basically told her right then I was like, yes, I will. I'll come get this dog. You tell me when you, I know, I can't imagine what you guys are going through. You tell me what I can do to help you guys. So she said, okay, we'll be in touch. So it was Saturday, Saturday for Christmas. I remember it like it was yesterday, but the funny part was like when she called me that, she told me that I gave her the affirmation that we would get this dog. I said, yes, we'll get the dog. And at the time, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time was teaching via zoom and she had like 24 second graders and she was downstairs on a zoom call with like 24 second graders. So I go downstairs and I tell my girlfriend, my now wife, I said, Hey, guess what? I got you a Bernie's mountain dog for Christmas. And she's like, Hey, everybody take a break. Like she tells these kids, she's like, what are you talking about? And, uh, we were living in an 800 square foot house. We had a cat, her cat. We had my dog, my golden retriever, Nash, who was, uh, three years old at the time. And, um, yeah, we're bringing a 125 pound dog that we've never met into this tiny home. And she said, okay, we'll see. And I, it happened so quick. That was like, I think that was like on a Wednesday or a Tuesday, a Wednesday or Thursday. And on Saturday we went and picked him up. And so went over to my aunt's house, picked him up and brought him home. And he was the sweetest dog. He was a lot. He was a little bit overweight. He'd been incredibly spoiled by my aunt, you know, God rest her soul. Um, and he had not gone a lot. He, she couldn't walk him cause he was so big. This dog weighed 130 pounds when we got him. <laughs> he was a big, just a big cuddly bear. And so we love this dog so much. And he was the very, very best in the world. Um, and the reason I'm talking about this is because it, this happened kind of after I'd had, and it wasn't that I wasn't grateful throughout my entire life, but I wasn't focused on being grateful my entire life, but this happened after I was. And so a few weeks ago, he started coughing like, and, and we're like, oh, this is weird. He's got some kind of a respiratory thing. Took him to the vet, got a prescription. He seemed to be getting better like three days. He was getting better. And then um, we had Thanksgiving and we had, a, we had some family over on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And uh, he was great in his moment, just living the dream. I mean, this dog, he was at the time, five, he was five years old. And, uh, and then on Saturday after Thanksgiving, Friday or Saturday, he started taking a turn for the worse. And I got a little bit worried. So Saturday morning, our vet was, our vet's open until noon on Saturday. I called and said, Hey, I need to get, I need to get Mo in to see you guys on Monday. They said, okay. So I bring him in on Monday and his lymph nodes had swollen up so much and he had gotten so bad. And it turns out that he had lymphoma, lymphoma. Um, and so we were, they, they weren't a hundred percent on that. So they were sending off, they took the, the aspirates and they, they were sending these off to, um, I might say, I might've said that wrong. I, I don't know anything about science, but they had taken basically samples from his lymph nodes and they were going to send them off to K state to get them to make sure it was lymphoma. But we had talked to an oncologist. We were pretty sure it was lymphoma. And throughout the week he got so bad as far as he, like he just, he was struggling to breathe. He was not able to get comfortable and we knew what it was. And we ended up making the decision to um, send him to heaven, send him back to his first mom. And so last week was brutal and it was really, really difficult. And 
one of the things that made it easier as now, because you get waves of emotion, right? When things like that happen is the fact that that dog, like our golden retriever is like when people, like he gets excited when he sees people, but when he's just like now, like during the day, he's just chill. Like he's the most chill dog ever. He just does his own thing. He's very independent, just snoozes most of the day. I take him for a W when I need a break from the screens. You know what I'm saying? Take him for a walk. But otherwise he's super chilled. Mo, the Bernese, the Bernese mountain dog, like was in your pocket and he was a big dog. We got him down to about 110 pounds. He was, we, you know, we walk, you know, a couple miles a day and, and we got his diet under control and got him to a healthy weight. Um, but, uh, he was as, as big as he was physically at 110 pounds, his personality was huge and he wanted to be next to you. Like he would have been laying right here next to me while I was recording this. You probably wouldn't see him, but he would have been here. Um, and so, the thing that made it easier for me to swallow and every time I get hit is the fact that we didn't not cherish a single moment with him. And he was such a happy dog. He would wake up in the morning and every day, like I'm, I'm an early riser. I get up at 5 a.m. I get to work and he would get up with me and wake up my wife and he would just be wagging us to out of control. Just so happy. Like, oh my, like I always told my wife, like this dog is like, oh my gosh, you guys, we get another day. And that's how he lived his life. And it was infectious. It, it helped you when you're like groggy and tired and not maybe want to do stuff. Um, and I, I thank God for the time we had with him for those. It was almost exactly three years. And he was just a reminder of living life to the fullest at every moment. And the reason that I'm that I, that I, that I've decided to name this episode. I had an idea for the, what, what I was going to do before all this happened, you know, but it ties in so well with the story of the Chinese farmer. And if you know what the story is, then you know what it is. If you don't, I'm, I'm going to play it for you here. I'm going to play a version for you. Um, but the reality of it is like I talked about last time, when it comes to business and when it comes to life and all of those things, mindset really does make all of the difference in the world. So I'm going to play this video. It is the story of the Chinese farmer. It's two minutes long. If you want to skip ahead, if you've heard it, um, but I, I, I wouldn't skip ahead. I would listen to it. It's, it's one of my favorite parables of all time. And I'm going to get into a little bit more after, after it's finished here. Once upon a time, there was a Chinese farmer who uh, lost a horse, ran away. And all the neighbors came around that evening and said, that's too bad. And he said, maybe. The next day, the horse came back and brought seven wild horses with it. And all the neighbors came around and said, why, that's great, isn't it? And he said, maybe. The next day, his son was attempting to tame one of these horses and was riding it and was thrown and broke his leg. And all the neighbors came round in the evening and said, well, that's too bad, isn't it? And the farmer said, maybe. And the next day, the conscription officers came around looking for people for the army. And they rejected his son because he had a broken leg. And all the neighbors came round that evening and said, isn't that wonderful? And he said, maybe. <laughs> the whole process of nature is an integrated process of immense complexity and 
it is really impossible to tell whether anything that happens in it is good or bad because you never know what will be the consequences of a misfortune or you never know what will be the consequences of good fortune. So I just, I cannot get enough of that story. I absolutely love it. And I find it again, when I look at business in general, you know, you have ups and downs. It doesn't matter what business you're in. You're going to hire people. You're going to lose people. You're going to pick up a new client. You're going to lose clients. All of these things happen. And it's easier. I feel like the older you get, it's easier to look back and see that there was a rhyme and reason to things happening the way they did. And I'm saying that again to say, look for those silver linings. And I feel like that will make life easier to deal with. And I, I think if you combine that with a strong practice of gratitude, it will help keep you in a good mindset. And like I said last time, mindset, marketing, business, it all flows in the same direction, you know? So I don't care if you go back to the old school guys like Zig Ziglar and you talk about, you know, I'm fantastic, like how you feel that day. Like, and, and, and I would never like say, that, you know, pretend like reality isn't happening. You know, you got to pay your bills. Like if you lose a client and you can't pay your bills, you got a problem, right? You got to figure it out. But more, more likely than not, something good is going to come from something bad happening. And I have, uh, it's helped me in the last week. And that was a personal thing. And I know losing a dog, like I, I understand that there's like, way bigger things. There are people with, like I said, sick kids. I have friends who have dealt with super scary child illnesses. I have friends who have lost children, all that stuff. I can't even imagine what that would be like. But when you're looking at it through the lens of business, of marketing, of, of winning deals and losing deals, staying positive will always help you in my estimation. Um, so that was just one of those things I kind of wanted to you know, I, I hate to like just talk about dogs on every podcast, but I also wanted to give you guys kind of a heads up as to what, where I was last week and uh, what was going on in my life personally. Um, the next thing that I'm going to play, and I've got a clip, and one of my favorite movies of all time is Moneyball um, with Brad Pitt and I forget the name. Uh, God, what's his name? The dude from Superbad, uh, Jonah Hill. And it's just, it's an amazing movie. And if you haven't seen it, there's one scene that I always point to for new clients. Not, not always, but most of the time. Because a lot of times, like I'd said before, I'm usually dealing with small, medium-sized businesses, anywhere from you know a $5 million business to a $20 million business, things in that ballpark generally. And a lot of times, they're either very, they haven't done a lot on the marketing side of things. And so there's there, there needs to be, they have, perceptions from what they've seen, meaning like you see stuff like on, like you see what, what big companies are doing to market their products. And sometimes there are things you can pull from that, but sometimes you can't. So I love to go to this clip. I'm going to play the clip of this movie. Um, and then I am going to kind of talk about what, uh, how, how it pertains to marketing and all that stuff as I see it. 
How's he just talking? Talking la 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 like this. Hang on a second. That looks like it's on. Yeah, speed. That's too fast. All right, here we go. Let's try, let's try that again. It's business as usual. It's not. We're trying to solve a problem here, Billy. Not like this. You're not. You're not even looking at the problem. We're very aware of the problem. I mean, okay, good. What's the problem? Look, Billy, we all understand what the problem is. We have to okay, replace- Okay, good. What's the problem? The problem is we have to replace three key players in our nope. lineup. What's the problem? Same as it's ever been. We've got to replace these guys with what we have existed. No, what's the problem, Barry? We need 38 home runs, 120 RBIs, and 47 doubles to replace. The problem we're trying to solve is that there are rich teams and there are poor teams. Then there's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. It's an unfair game. And now we've been gutted. Organ donors for the rich. Boston's taking our kidneys. Yankees taking our heart. And you guys are sitting around talking the same old good body nonsense like we're selling jeans. Like we're looking for Fabio. We got to think differently. We are the last dog at the bowl. You see what happens to the runt of the litter? He dies. Billy, that's a very touching story and everything, but I think we're all very much aware of what we're facing here. You have a lot of experience and wisdom in this room. Now, you need to have a little bit of faith and let us do the job of replacing Giambi. Is there another first baseman like Giambi? No, not really. No. And if there was, could we afford him? No. No. Then what the fuck are you talking about, man? If we try to play like the Yankees in here, we will lose to the Yankees out there. Right there. If we try to play like the Yankees in here, then we will lose to the Yankees out there. That is the sweet spot. That and the fact that it's an unfair game. And so I've always, and this has been true since the beginning of, since I started doing this, like I said, back in the early days of Twitter, I would tell people that you need to look at if you're, if you're, if you're trying to brand yourself or your business or whatever, and you are, um, and you're looking at like somebody like Kim Kardashian, right? You have to understand that Kim Kardashian is so far ahead of you that you can't even compare what you're doing to what she's doing. So when I say, first of all, saying it's an unfair game is it's partially true, but there's also advantages to being small and to being new and things like that. And my point was, don't try to compare yourself to Kim Kardashian. Try to find people like if you're going to work on LinkedIn or if you're going to work on Twitter or if you're going to work on TikTok, if you're going to work on YouTube, find the people that have gotten famous because of that platform and look at how they're using that platform. Don't look at the massive Fortune 500 companies and see what they're doing. That's not what you want to do. You want to find somebody, if it's YouTube, you want to, and, and Casey Neistat at this point is huge, but you find somebody that's succeeding on YouTube, especially if you can find somebody that's succeeding in your niche. You know what I mean? So if you are a, if you're a house painter, then you find somebody that's crushing it 
on TikTok or on YouTube or whatever, the, the great thing about these platforms is everything these people are doing, the, you can see the front end of it. You don't know what their backend systems look like. You don't know what their systems and processes look like. You don't understand, you know, what their production schedule looks like and things like that. But you can certainly see what their output looks like. Are they posting to YouTube once a week? Are they posting one long form video a week and five short form videos a week? Are they posting to Instagram? Are they taking that same content from that long form YouTube video and posting it on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube shorts? Are they creating a Twitter thread out of it? Those are all of the things that that you can do once you find somebody who is, you don't want to look for somebody that is light years ahead of you. You want to look for the person that is two and a half steps ahead of you. And then you want to mimic what they're doing. And once you find that, that creator or that brand or that person, then you can work backwards. And you can even do things like they should have an email uh, list. I would sign up on the email list, see what their funnel looks like, see what emails you get from them and take a deep dive on these people. And that can help you when you're working on building out your strategy. The first thing you want to do is, is, you know, as uh, the guys at Think Media say, just hit record, right? The first thing you want to do is start making content. But as you continue to make content and you continue to evolve, you'll want to implement, you'll want to implement more strategy into what you're doing. And the best way until you start getting real analytics and real feedback and real engagement, the best way to kind of find a direction to go into is to see what other people are doing on that platform. And then you're not copying them because you're using your own voice, but you're going to copy their, uh, their cadence. You can find how many times they're posting, where are they posting? And you might say, well, I can't post, I don't have the bandwidth to be posting on all these platforms at all at, at, as frequently as they do. And that's fine, but you can build a system that's found like a foundation and you could say, well, that's a house, that's a tree and we want to get the roots set up. So if you find out that they're, they're writing a, they're, they're posting one, let's just say one long form YouTube video per week. And then from that video, they're creating a blog from that blog, they're creating a Twitter thread or several Twitter th- threads. They're out there. They're outputting several short form videos, medium form videos. Like you can find what they're doing and then you can start to set goals for yourself where you sit there and say, okay, I'm going to start by shooting the long form YouTube video. Then I'm going to get that down and I'm going to get good at that. And I'm going to be uh, consistent with that. But you know what they're doing. You're watching what they're doing. Are they posting videos on LinkedIn? Are they posting screenshots of tweets on LinkedIn? Find those people that are just a couple steps ahead of you that are doing very well and see what they're doing on the outside and then put your own spin on it. There were some people back in the day when uh, when I was when I was like just figuring things out on Twitter. God, oh, the, actually, I do remember the gal's name. Her name is Jenny Johnson or Johnston. And she was, I don't, I think she was like a TV producer. You know, she had some job in media, but she blew up on Twitter and she was so quick and funny and sharp that, that I was able to watch what she was doing, watch the comments she was making about the subject she was talking about. Now it wasn't, 
that wasn't the same subject that I was talking about, but I was able to take what she was doing and apply it to myself and my audience and my voice. And so if you do that, if you look at people that are, like I said, just a couple steps ahead of you, just a couple rungs ahead of you, you know, if you're a music guy and you look at Rick Beato, well, he's got what, 3 million followers. That's going to be hard. Find the guy that's got uh, 5,000 followers, 10,000 followers. And, and if they're, if they're doing well, if they're consistently posting things and putting things out there and getting engagement, if they're getting what you want, see what they're doing and then try to mimic that as best you can. That's advice I give all of my clients because so many times they come in and they're, they're looking at big picture stuff. They're looking at Super Bowl commercials, right? And they've got a budget of, uh, you know, two, three, four thousand dollars a month. And so you have to like kind of explain to businesses what these companies are spending, why they're spending it, why it's important. And then how do we scale your content creation up to get to the point where you are succeeding in your game? You know what I mean? So that's really, really important, especially if you're new to the game, make sure you're not, make sure you're setting realistic expectations for yourself and make sure you're focusing on the basics, which is the stuff you can control, which is how often can I put things out? Things like that. You're not going to be able to control the rate at which your follower count grows. You can't control that to it. I mean, to a degree you can, you want to pay attention to what people are liking, what they're not liking. Are they engaging with your stuff? But when you get started, I mean, look, this is my fifth podcast. I started sharing the content. I started sharing to, to social media platforms like, I don't know, three weeks ago, two weeks ago. I don't have any real actionable data yet. So what I'm doing is I'm focusing on what I can focus on, which is being consistent, putting out the best content that I can. And then once I start getting feedback, then I'll start tweaking things and I'll start making more of this, less of that, that type of thing. You know what I mean? So that, that's a big thing that I, I wanted to talk about today. It's very, uh, it's very, it's easy to overlook if you've never done it before, if you've done it before, it's incredibly obvious. Like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But if you haven't thought about it that way, that's just something to, um, to actually think about. The next thing I wanted to talk about was there is a show on Netflix called Escaping Twin Flames. And it's a documentary about this, I guess it's a cult. And it's kind of a, I don't know if it's really religious. It's more about like, a, they started out as like trying to help people find their twin flame. Like the short version of it is your twin flame is like your soulmate basically, right? And it's, it's an incredible, the documentary, it's three episodes long. So it's not like it's a, you don't have to put a bunch of time into it, but I found it incredibly interesting from a marketing perspective. Now the guy, it's a guy and his wife, like basically run this. I forget the name of their, they've got names of their little organization and, 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 and all this stuff. And by all accounts, they've been very successful and it's not, that's not a great thing. But when you look at it from a marketing perspective, what they did was really interesting. And I started noticing this. I can't, I think it was in the first episode or the second episode where people would be going through a hard time in their life and they would type in like, uh, I need to find a soulmate or I need to find, you know, um, somebody that, that they were looking for a partner of some sort. And these twin flames people, were so smart in the way they marketed themselves that they did, 
they were doing, they, they must've been, and they never talked about this on the documentary, but that's the only way that this would have happened was that these people were all, every single one of the people that were in this cult, like the, the cult members that got out, it's called escaping twin flame. So it's a handful of people that have like gotten out of it and they talk about their experience with it, but they all came into contact with it. Most of them, some of them were brought in by a person, but most of them, it was like through a Google search or a Facebook search or whatever, which hello, these people were buying ads. They were buying ad words. They were searching things that they knew that their people were looking for. And that's how they got people into their spider web. And as creepy and weirdo as this couple is that runs this thing, their marketing strategy was really on point. And I got a clip from this show that I'm going to play and then I'm going to dive into a little bit more of it here. Let me see if I can pull this up right there. That's right there. Uh, There that is. And I'm going to do this and check this out. This week I'm targeting like uh, sexual assault, sexual harassment programs and opportunities. We had a meeting one day about how to fish for clients for map sessions. We were going in PTSD groups, injury groups, fibromyalgia groups. The internet is a place teeming with people with problems. And if you walk up with a solution, oh, honey, people are lined up out your door. Okay, so that was a really short clip from that show. But one of the things they touched on, besides all the the fact that these people were just basically, um, the fact that these people were essentially... Uh, Google searching, you know, certain terms. What they talk about there is something that's actually really smart. And what 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 I want to talk about is as much as they seem by from one man's opinion, they seem very creepy and weird. But one thing that is a really smart thing to do and is something that everybody can do out of the gate and it's often overlooked because we're focused on content. Oh, we got to create content, we got to build a personal brand this, that, and the other thing. And I had talked about it in one of the episodes before I had talked about engagement and getting in and, you know, becoming part of a community of people that are, you know, people that are prospective clients for you, you know, bringing value to people wherever they are. Right. So if they're on LinkedIn and you see a comment or if they're on Twitter and, and there's a, or X, whatever, whatever you're calling it, if there is a thread about something that you specialize in, you know, Setting up notifications on your phone. This is something that I've, I've told other clients to do. So again, go back to, you know, which platforms you're going to be working, be it Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, X, Twitter, whatever. So we had talked about finding people that were crushing it in your field. Okay. Well, one thing that you can do on most of these platforms is you can set up notifications to let you know when those people, when certain people are posting things. So what I would recommend, like, let's say you're an electrician and you're, you're, you're following a guy on, on X or on Instagram. Let's say Instagram. Okay. And this elect, there's a, an electrician, or maybe you're an electrician and you're following a plumber that's in your area. That's, that's located in the same area of you. And he just kills it or she kills it on Instagram. Well, you set up that you get notified every time they post. That way, when they post something, you jump in there 
and you say, hey, this is a great point. I love the point you made. I, I love that the fact that you said this, this, and this. One other thing that I like to do and add on your two cents. Always add more value. So that's one way to use these social media platforms to, you know, to actually engage with people and be first because, you know, we're all nosy people. Like I love the comment section. So if I go to a post that's doing well, I always look at the first few comments. So if you set up those notifications to let somebody know, hey, you know, uh, Bob, Bob Hamilton plumbing, <laughs> that's a Kansas city plumber, by the way, just posted blah, blah, blah. Oh, you jump in there. Hey, but you know, they posted something about, uh, pipes freezing in the wintertime. Hey, that's a really good idea. You know, something else you want to think about when you're, when you're making sure to, uh, you know, unscrew your hoses and turn off your water before you leave town. Another thing you might want to think about is, you know, blah, 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 as it pertains to, electrical services that you provide or roofing services that you provide or whatever, whatever field you're in, you understand what I'm saying. Like you want to go ahead and find that. And the other thing that is also like ties along with that is the idea of finding relevant Facebook groups, Reddit groups, uh, discord. If, if, if it makes sense, and you have to be careful because you don't want to get spammy in these groups and you don't want to go in there and you don't want to violate the terms of, it's not terms of service, but the, the there's, I forget the name of it, the rules of engagement of the group. Like you don't want to go in there and just be selling yourself. It, this has to be authentic. It has to be real. You have to actually just become a part of the community and bring value through your comments through your input, things like that. So don't just go in there and start like, Hey, check out my website. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lawyer that specializes in hit and runs, you know, like don't just, don't be spammy about it. You've got to be genuine and you've got to understand like, Hey, I'm just going to become part of this community. And then if people start seeing you in there, the internet's a social place. There's a lot of people that, that they will find you. If you've got a website and you've got uh, if you've got an account, if you've got a Facebook page or an Instagram account or a TikTok account or whatever, the people are going to, if you're making interesting comments on this stuff, they're going to notice you and they're going to check you out because they're nosy. We're all nosy. We want to do that stuff, right? So think about your online presence. Think about the content side of it. That's obviously very important, but don't sleep on that engagement side and don't sleep on the community side of it. There are communities out there that you can get into, you know, with in good faith and become a good member of that community and just make that community better by bringing the things you value to that community, right? And then you're just making yourself known to those people. So don't ever forget about that stuff. It's super, super important. And it's incredibly effective, especially if you're just getting started out. Um, and there's one other thing. So we're, we're about to wrap this, this, this episode up. But one other thing that I wanted to talk about was um, I came across this TikTok by uh, Mark Manson, he's the guy that wrote the book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving uh, an F, right? I know other people have cussed on this podcast, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I love cussing, but I'm not going to do it on this podcast. So, uh, but I came across this TikTok and I thought it was awesome because we had talked about this. I had talked about this in one of the earlier episodes where I had mentioned um, people not caring about what you're doing. So and I'm going to beat this drum continuously. If you're on the fence, if you're thinking about starting to create content or starting putting yourself out there, it's nerve wracking. I understand that. I It's not easy. I'm, dude, I'm starting right now too. Like I get it. It's brutal. But put put yourself at ease and realize that people don't care about what you're doing. They're not paying attention to you. So that makes that first year, that first year and a half, that first two years of you just pumping this stuff out there, 
and you're you're getting little nibbles, you're you're figuring out what works, what doesn't, you're learning where to pivot, you're you're doing all that stuff. It is a long process, but one of the things you don't need to worry about is you don't need to be embarrassed about the content that you're putting out there. Okay. And so I wanted to uh, I wanted to show show this this TikTok that uh, that Mark had posted. I'm going to go ahead and share this like right now. Let's see where is it? There that is, and then let's try this right here. There's a concept in psychology known as the spotlight effect. Now the spotlight effect says that we all tend to assume that people are paying far more attention to us than they actually are. Think back to the last time you got a terrible haircut. Chances are you walked around all day assuming that everybody was staring at that fucking tragedy of a mop on your head. But the reality was most people didn't notice. And if they noticed, they sure didn't care. But the problem is, the idea by itself is not sufficient. You have to get out into the world and experience it. You have to get out and challenge your own spotlight effect. Now, does that mean you have to put on a chicken suit, walk down the Venice boardwalk? No, of course not. But it does mean you have to do something. You have to challenge yourself. You have to put yourself in the public and into uncomfortable situations and prove to yourself conclusively that nobody's paying attention and nobody gives a shit. So right there, that's great advice from the man himself who wrote the book about not giving an F about things, right? So anyway, that's going to do it for this episode. You guys, thank you so much for checking this out. I hope you've gotten some value out of it. If you have, please be a friend and tell a friend, let people know that I'm doing this thing. If you, if you like this and, uh, if you want to reach out to me, you can find all the information in the links or in the description of this, whether you're listening to the podcast or if you're watching on YouTube, anything like that, you can go to rockstarmarketingpod.com. I appreciate you checking out this infant of a podcast. Until next time, stop selling and start telling. Thanks for listening to Market Like a Rockstar. Don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe. Help us out and share this episode with anyone that you think might get value from it. For more info, correspondence, and links to all of our socials, visit the website, rockstarmarketingpod.com. Until next time, go make some content, build your brand, and be sure to stop selling and start telling.